just before we started recording, I got a box with a Mysterio bubble head in it. I, the, the, the movie with Mysterio in it means there is now way too much Mysterio shit for me to get. Now, if you've watched my videos where I ever bring it up or, or have shown you pictures, I have got probably the biggest Mysterio collection in America i.e. the only Mysterio collection in America. <laughs> I'm the only one who bothered. So I've got, like, from the really ex uh, like rare, massive statue that is silly money, right down to little, tiny, die-cast figures. I've got one of my shelves. I've got this big shelf that you see often in some gym positions with all boglins and nerdy shit on it. And one of the shelves is entirely Mysterio. And then I noticed while browsing around online because of Spider-Man The Farest from the Homes, there is now shitloads more stuff to get. So I've got now a bobblehead. It's an unmasked Mysterio. They've got a masked one, which makes sense because he's literally got a bobblehead. But yeah, I've got a little wobbly-headed Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't do the Funko Pop thing. I did for a while, then I got bored of it very quickly. But I will make a, an exception for Mysterio, so I've got that on my desk. That just arrived, and I pre-ordered all of the stuff because I'm a horrible little <laughs> consumer tool. Everyone has their thing where they're like, this is the piece of plastic that I that I will make space in my in my living space for. Yeah. 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 It's Buglins and Mysterio all the way. Yeah. Like I'll I'll make shelf space for a nice Gundam figure, you know, from time to time. I try not to clutter my house too much anymore, but <laughs> I marry con I marry condoed all of my tat. I was just like, is this really making me happy having this mess here? And I was like, nope, Finn. <laughs> I have to do a clear out. Yeah, I have to do a clear out like that now and then try and be a bit ruthless. But I, I'm, I'm trying to focus only on things I know I specifically will know I keep. You know what the hardest thing to throw away was? Hero Quest. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Broadsword. Do you remember Hero Quest? Absolutely. If anyone listening remembers Hero Quest, there's a video on YouTube of why Hero Quest is the best game ever. Go and watch it. It's amazing. It's, it, it's done by a guy on YouTube called Bardic Broadcasts. Yes. If you uh, want to check out his channel, he does a lot of fun little unboxings. Not all of them on that level, but he's got this real sort of get up and go personality. And he embraces that whole beardy, nerdy, Nerds. tabletop gamer thing. Yeah, um, he does a lot of uh, funny things. But the Hero Quest is a is a great video. His tongue is firmly in his cheek as well. Is is Hero Quest the one that is now a nightmare to get at any kind of reasonable price because it's been out of print for God knows how long? I th I, I want to say they re released it. Mine wouldn't have gone for a fiver because it was like all the little characters were half painted when I was like fifteen years old by like my first time <laughs> ever painting something and my last time actually <laughs> i actually played hero quest like two years ago when i was in atlanta um, oh yeah my friend jackie and, and and her other half and another friend of theirs um it's such a long game <laughs> i never used to properly play it as a kid i would just play with the little figures and i get the little plastic chaos warriors and just smash them up against the other ones um mm -hmm. if you actually try and play it properly god it takes time this interesting enough. It's not. I mean, it's fine. It's not an amazing, you know. I I had a lot of fun playing a playing a new tabletop game this uh, last couple of weeks. The one called Scythe, which is it's like a hex based uh, game where it's set after an alternate reality, World War One, where all of the countries in Europe have 
basically steampunk mechs, and they're fighting over, like, okay, the war is over. Who's in charge now? Mm. Hmm. Um, and it's got these really nice little mech miniatures, and it's about trying to manage resources and be the most in control of the map when you do the winning condition and like to not end the game until you're like I think I've probably won it's a really nice little game took several hours it's it's a lot to take in at first but I had a lot of fun with that the other week oh. I like a good tabletop game I tell you a board game that's super expensive because it's not in print anymore and that's Key to the Kingdom now I played the shit out of that I don't see it brought up often it was a board game with loads of cards with monsters on them and all sorts of shit. And the board was beautifully detailed. And it would they, they separated the board into different realms with a, a fairly straightforward board game sort of path running through it. But nowadays it's like 200 bucks. And I got that for my birthday when I was, uh, fuck, I must have been about six. Six maybe, even younger even, perhaps. Um, but yeah, like 200 bucks now if you want to get it. It's, it's a bit too much for a, for a nostalgic board game that I literally will not play. That I will open up, read all the monster cards for, then put away and never play again. Yeah, board games and, and all that nerdy stuff for me. I think like when, when my father died when I was 15 and my personality completely changed. You know the way sometimes like good things come out of bad things? Because I was like so socially awkward and all I wanted to do was play HeroQuest. I used to go down and watch the guys playing Warhammer when I was like 13. Mm. And then uh, I just got fed up of being bullied in school. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. fuck all this shit. I'm going to learn guitar. You know, <laughs> I, I, I had the opposite thing. I never had anyone growing up to play board games with. So I, you know, never saw the appeal in them. Like yeah. I only ever played just sort of monopoly around the the dinner table with family so as an adult suddenly being like i have friends who live locally to me who like board games we now just like have a shelf outside the bedroom that is just this is the shelves of board games Mm. and i've gotten very into them I, I was so nerdy that the only one time I tried Dungeons and Dragons, the dungeon master was bullying me. Oh, oh, no. Like, like turned literally my first turn, he turned me to stone. And that was all I got to do for the entire two hours. Okay. Jesus. I, I will yeah. tell you, you played with a that's, shitty, a shitty dungeon master. That's how like, annoyingly socially inept I was. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's not you being socially inept. That is the dungeon master being shit. Because... Yeah. Anyone who invites you to play D&D and then one round in turns you to stone clearly is not there for the group. It's mixed messages. Yeah. You're not talkative enough, so we're going to set you in stone for the whole fucking afternoon. It wasn't even I wasn't. I was very talkative. It's just I, I didn't have any social, like, I didn't know what was cool and what wasn't cool. And Oh, so they were literally trying to get you to shut up. So it was literally just this guy's a fucking odd little nerd. Let's just make him look stupid kind of thing. If you ever want to have some fun and play play some D anD D, I will happily run like a two hour no, short one off game. No, you know what, Laura? <laughs> I don't have the the time to invest. It's just that's yeah. that's super fair. Speaking uh, of which, uh, I invested my time pretty well this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, yes. Let's hear about your adventures. I had a, a two a two day stag party in Galway. I think I think you Yanks out there call it a bachelor party. Do do they do you call it a stag in America? Uh, I, you know what? I'm not entirely sure. 
I prefer bachelor party actually because stag kind of implies. I think bachelor party is common, but stag might have bled in, in and so you see it used at times. I think. But uh, yeah, anyway, random highlight of the weekend was uh, the singer from the Electric Six telling me I look like a terrorist from Die Hard. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> that that sounds like a hell of a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> They're a good, they're a good fun live band. Actually, I'd recommend going to see them. Do you remember them? Oh yeah, yeah. I want to well, take you I to mean, the gay bar. I've complained before that Spotify does nothing but recommend Electric Six to me because oh, yes. I listened to one of their songs once. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't happen as often now, but yeah. it still will pop up if I go through my playlist and it starts auto playing stuff. Every now and then, I'll hear someone yelling "fire" because he does that in every song. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Literally yeah. every song is about like starting a, a nuclear war on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, which I'm 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 okay with this as you know a sentiment for how to live life. Yeah, <laughs> just, just just start nuclear wars on dance floors. That 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 is a sustainable life <laughs> plan. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I spent my weekend exploring an abandoned factory. That was pretty cool. Is a big old bunch of abandoned buildings with graffiti all over them and I just walked around them listening to music from horror films wow. <laughs> that sounds like a great way to spend a weekend oh it's great I was like gonna ask did you have How Soon Is Now by the Smiths playing while you did this <laughs> oh should have done <laughs> it seriously felt wa- like walking around the kind of place that like if you were a student in a like a film course You'd be shooting a zombie film here faster than, you know, the second you saw it. <laughs> yeah. You know, just ch- ch- chuck some red paint over people. There's your, there's your zombie film done. Could have filmed a remake of uh, Grave Encounters. A great place for a metal band to do a video. Uh, no joke. I walked across, like, a group doing a photo shoot that looked like it was, hey, here's our band's photo shoot. There you go. We also saw some people who were like, here are my here are my new fashion outfits that I'm going to take pictures of in all the, the rubble. I never thought that an abandoned building might be a place to enjoy a healthy social life, but apparently it's where everyone's <laughs> hanging out. Rave culture is coming back. Ah, <laughs> abandoned house music. <laughs> it This is the kind of place that you look around and you go... Clearly, some clearly some illegal parties have occurred here. Yeah, but they're the best kind of parties. Yeah, a bit like Jim's house. You look around there and you're like, "Whoa, there's some illegal parties happen here." <laughs> there's been a lot of cockfights. <laughs> oh, is that what you're calling them now, Jim? Yeah, in the gay bar. We've we may have started a small nuclear fire on the dance floor last time I had a party, <laughs> but a contained uh, one. It was in a bucket. Yeah. I tell you what, there was there was nuclear war in the fucking car's home after two days drinking. Mm. <laughs> As my friend said, it's good thing these pictures don't have smell o vision. Oh gosh. I ain't gone on. I ain't gone on a proper booze up in ages. Yeah, come over to our wedding then. Uh, yeah, I should. <laughs> do do it, Jim, because I need to. I've still never physically met you. I'm gonna meet Gav for the first time. I need to meet you as well. Come over here. Yeah, it's gotta happen. You gotta RSVP in the next few weeks though, because we are doing like we are oh, limited shit. to 140 people, and like Rach has a massive family, and I. I have lots of friends. Oh, what is this? What is your wedding? Twitter before they up the character limit. <laughs> I I will be there. I I'm I am excited to 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 say hello and to see this human face that is not just. I, I'm excited to 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 have proof that you're not just 
I don't know, like a very advanced one that is like Microsoft Sam computer voices. I'm not just the greatest catfish ever. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll be happy when I know that you're not just like my computer's version of Siri. <laughs> <laughs> just having elaborate, you know, conversations that I probably should go, hey, Gav, Google this for me. And, you know, you do it. Well, you've never asked me what's the square root of blue, so I have yet to shut down and, and, and fall apart. So. <laughs> the square root of blue is Eiffel 65. Yes, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 been a week this week. I've been I've been I've been working myself too much this week. I've just been running around doing all of the things. I hear that. I haven't stopped today. I woke up, done a video. I um then spent ages trying to record Rage Two footage, trying to find usable footage that wasn't really <laughs> boring. As I ran around looking for purple fucking boxes. Or pink, I guess. Pink boxes that are highlighted in pink so you can see them amongst all the other pink. <laughs> Fucking hell. Do we want to talk about video games? I suppose we probably should. I suppose, yeah. We should probably do that. Should, should, we, should we talk about that range too? We can, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, a, as good a place as any to start. Before we get into the actual game, I will say like one thing that's outside of the game itself that I, I'm, I'm quite happy about. I like that Walmart Canada has really lent into the uh, the the fact that they accidentally leaked that game last year, and they've done a box art that you can get for the game that is their uh, placeholder art they had for Rage Two, circled with a bunch <laughs> of like, oh, yeah. ah, clearly not real. We didn't even use the right font, etc. Brilliant. I I like when a company is you know doesn't shy away from its fuck up. And they become self-aware. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, how, how are you both getting on with Rage Two? Eh, all right it's fine it's good yeah it's, it's really fun for like quick bursts and then there's a lot of kind of meandering in between those quick bursts that's how i've been finding it that's it the pacing the pacing is completely off because you will get into it and the combat will feel good and then if every location you go to ends with a scavenger hunt if you want to complete the location which yeah. if you've made your way there you want to do it while you're there. It's an open world. You don't know if you're coming back. I gave up on those pink boxes after the second location. I was like, fuck this. I want to. Yeah. I want to, but my brain won't let me. I'm one of those people where I'm like, if I'm there and it's telling me it's there, yeah. I will feel bad. I gave up on the... Once I was trying to find two data pads in a massive fucking complex... I gave up on those because I did. I tweeted out my frustration and someone said, if you get far enough in, you can unlock some upgrades that sh like ping them on, on a radar. Really? Because I couldn't, I couldn't see it anywhere. I, it was the first fucking thing I looked for. I want an Arkham Knight thing here that I can find the goddamn data pads. It is there. It's, um, it doesn't unlock until you complete a certain mission. Um, so I'm, I'm close to giving up. But again, while I'm in those locations, I'm like... I, again, I don't know if I'm coming back there, so I spend ages getting bored trying to find the pink among the pink. And and that, that doesn't include the other things that break up the pacing, like a tutorial for a shotgun an hour into the game when I've already learned how to shoot. I don't need a tutorial for a fucking shotgun. I, I just got one before we stopped recording, and I was hours, multiple hours in, and then it gave me a tutorial on how to use a rocket launcher. I'm like, it's pretty self-explanatory. The tutorial for the shotgun would have just been... All they had to do was a pop-up that said, by the way, when you aim down sights, it turns into force push. Yes, 
exactly. Mm. They didn't even need to tell you anything. They could have given that info in a pop-up, but you could easily have discovered that on your own. The tutorials feel like, oh, they're hours in and they've got another gun. Shit, they might not know how to shoot that gun. It's like, I've been shooting for an hour. Yeah, the tutorials are very, they're very patronizing. That's the word. Yeah, they, they, they seem to be convinced that you won't be able to work out the basic concept of, it's a gun, I point it and I shoot it. When I point and shoot it, I will see what it does and then I will understand the gun. The stupid thing about that, though, is that you could literally have played the game for five hours before discovering that gun or this jump mechanic because it re the game doesn't give you a lot of direction when you come out first. And I think that's weird because really the game should encourage you to go to this one spot first where you get your shotgun. I feel like it should because I went around for an hour and a half and I was going to all the arcs. I was like, man, I really want this. Because I remember the, how fun the shotgun was from Rage 1. You know what it probably needed to do? It needed to do something like Breath of the Wild when you get off that great plateau. Where it's like, hey, you've got this big open thing. You can go everywhere. We really recommend you go this way. That'll get you the stuff that, like, you'll have everything you need to really do this properly. But, you know, that that's what it needed. Like, some yeah. kind of push of, you should probably go do this but we're not going to force you I also think a lot of the stuff should have just been unlocked from the beginning like the the powerful dash and the floating in the air and stuff like that there's some skill powering and stuff where especially like the fact that it takes you that long to get anywhere close to a radar to find the collectibles it's ridiculous also in terms of breaking up the pacing I don't need multiple pop-ups that freeze the gameplay every time I complete objectives. Every time you do an objective. It's like, freeze the game to tell you the objective. Then freeze the game instantly again to show you a progress bar for something you might not even know you're progressing towards yet. In the middle of dialogue. Yes. Dialogue, which is embarrassingly written for the most part, I should point yeah. out. It's, it's really pants. But yeah, like, the actual shooting is fine. It's just getting to it. The shooting's fucking great. This is the thing, like, once you get your kind of powers together and stuff, like, this is the most fun moment-to-moment -moment shooter I've played since Doom. You know, it's, like, really, really, mechanically, it's a lot of fun to control. And there's a lot of powers that are loads of fun to use. And the enemies are fun to kill. It just takes a while to get there. And I think that's a pity because I think a lot of people are going to play the first couple of hours and go, this is boring. I've, I'm here with my pistol and my assault rifle. You know, it's bleh. That was my read on it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I wasn't playing it, like, for, for work reasons, I'd have probably given up. Yeah. Because um, it was just so boring. And even now, like, even though I've got some powers and stuff under me, it's like I'm still constantly annoyed by something. And it's never anything big, but it's constant. There's always something to piss me off. Uh, and it just really tempers the the fun. Here's something that drives me nuts is the driving is so bad. Mm. The cars are awful, aren't they? Oh god, yeah. How how did the how is this the same people who made that Mad Max game with the really amazing car combat? Did they bring in a Bioware team? Like the guys who made the Mako? Did they bring <laughs> them in? Like the original Mass Effect? Awful. Like, if you even try to look to the left or the right when you're driving, the camera just fights you so hard. It's like, no, 
No, you're not looking behind you. You take your life in your hands if you're going across a mountain path because any wrong turn and you could slide off the edge, unable to do anything about it. The, the, The thing that I keep thinking about this game is that I'd probably be enjoying it more if it was a lot more condensed. Mm. If it if it was maybe even a linear game, because like the, as as he keeps saying, the shooting feels fantastic. Like it's fucking grace, yeah. When you are once you know what you're doing with a weapon and it's not tutorializing you, and you are just in the thick of it with colors flying everywhere and explosions and bullets flying around, it feels great. Yeah. And if I could just if I could just jump into that game and go, I want to do some shooting, and then I will. F- finish the shooting and save and next time i boot the game up i will be no more than two minutes away from the next big bit of shooting yeah that'd be great it's not a game that feels like doom it's a game that feels like it could feel like doom yeah and i think it's missing the element that that cements that feeling which is tightly designed environments yeah without that without those sort of deliberate corridors uh, leading up into larger areas without that intricate map design it just sort of doesn't quite work. I won't say Doom's pacing was perfect because I feel like again the whole thing with upgrades and stuff just just give me the upgrades on my on my main path. You know, you don't need to hide them away in little corners and It runs counter to what the games are, yeah, that you're spending time quietly hunting for things. Yeah. But definitely the pacing was better in Doom. I mean, this yes. game I was I got to the second town and I was Fucking so bored going around that time. Because in games, you look forward to it when you get to the next town. Yeah. yeah. Like, what adventures am I going to get here? I was so bored. Mm-hmm. Then you get back out and you're, like, attacking the bandits and it's just so much fun. You're dodging everywhere and jumping over things and fucking slamming down into the ground and blowing people off cliffs with your shotgun, and, you know? The towns are just necessary um, pit stops along the way rather than, like... There's, there's nothing that feels like, yes... Yes, yes, I'm in the town. I can do this now. With, yeah. with NPCs that talk for way too long when they're giving you a mission. Right? They go on and on. I've got good footage of me um, starting up a mission. This wasn't even in a town. It was one of those, like, clear out the mutant nests. Yeah. And before the guy would open the door so I could start the, so I could start playing the video game, I had to just sit there for ages while he banged on and on and on about something I didn't care about. Yeah. I didn't care. Just... It's a mutant nest. It's one of who knows how many mutant nests. It's open world busy work. Let me go in there and get it over with. But no, on and on and on about what I've got to do. I know what I've got to do. I've done this already. Open the fucking door. Interesting NPCs <laughs> are very rare in this game. And yeah. I did like, though, that the really uh, the cute wingstick belly top girl from the first game is now like this fucking hardened battle weary mayor of a town it's i thought that was a cool little character development yeah they've got some interesting continuity with the original Mm. rage but the problem is is rage as a story is not interesting at all yeah it never was okay there's a scene very early on this is i don't think i'll be honest i don't think if anyone cares if i slightly spoil this there's a scene at, at 10 minutes into the game where a mentor character is killed and this is kind of your motivation to get back at the big bad. It's like, yeah, you really didn't earn that, though. This person barked orders at me for two minutes, and now I'm supposed to care that they're dead? Yeah, yeah, less than five minutes, it feels, and then they're gone, and I'm supposed to get... I had that exact feeling. I'm like, I've got no emotional investment in this because not only 
do I not know the character? Not only did they not say anything all that endearing while they were on the screen, yeah. there is no relationship built between the protagonist and that character at all. It was literally the cheapest narrative move you could have pulled to just kill them off in the first move, in the first scene. And oh yeah, yeah, there you go. Now now you hate this bad guy. Yeah, and that's that's the problem with with Rage too. And it was part of the problem with the first Rage as well. It's like it all looks pretty. And sometimes the the like things like enemy designs and some of the the costumes that characters have are visually interesting, but the world itself is not. It's all visually kind of quirky and 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 notable, but the actual world, the story, the characters, the the history of it, none of it is good. <laughs> none of it is no. intriguing whatsoever. I don't want to learn about the the lore of rage. I don't care. Yeah. I go to a town and there's no one intriguing in there. The only interesting thing is you you might come across a character who, when you look at them, it highlights their name in text and they're called Bollock Yogurt. Oh, oh, oh. The names are the only interesting part. I like that. I love the names. I got. I came across one called something like, I can't remember the first name, but the surname was Dimple Dick or something. I just thought that was very funny. Yeah, like they've come up with as many sort of silly and stupid and immature names and that's fun. Um, but that is the only interesting thing about going into a town. Weirdly enough, there's times where the over the the overarching narrative kind of conf- contrasts with with that. There's a little bit of the Suicide Squad movie to it, where it's like we want to be quirky and cool and colourful and punk, yeah. but at the same time we're also just a bit morbid and dark and miserable. No, this game is Green Day. This game thinks it's punk, but it's it's very cynically designed punk. Yeah, yes, yes. That's actually, that's a really good point. It, yeah, it's trying to look cool and edgy, but it's really not. Nothing against Green Day. I, I like Green Day. but No, but it's, it's, it's got the visual trappings of punk without any of the, the edge or actual, like, you know, saying anything meaningful necessarily. Yeah. It's like you compare it to the trailers with all like the the pop music and all of the the comedy to it, and it's it's not that game. It's not that game at all. It's it's good enough, but but it's not wacky. Was was it was it this game that it, it had an early trailer or it was shown off early on with an Andrew WK track? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like that. That energy isn't quite there with with the actual game. It's not, is it? Not at all. It's it's not this wild party shooting. Like it's it's not even a bullet storm or anything. This is what I was expecting the game to be an Andrew WK song. <laughs> that Andrew WK track selection kind of gave the impression that this game was going to be like frantically chaotically. Don't give a shit. Just try and try and change things while partying at the end of the world like it's yeah. it's that sort of i'm i'm going to murder everything and have fun doing it chaos that i don't think the game really gets and then you immediately start the game and it's about people in armor called rangers and you're like oh well this is bog fucking standard and 70% mm. of your time in the game is spent slow paced yeah well god damn that 30% is fucking great and there's these little sections that are linear, and when it goes into those, it's it's so good. If the whole game was like that, it would be like an eight for me. But as it stands, it's more of a like uh, a a nice high six, you know. Yeah. Do you remember the first trailer for Dead Island, where it was this really artfully done, slow paced, yeah. quote unquote, emotional thing, and then the game turned out to be nothing like it. This is Rage 2's campaign is like the happy version of that. 
where instead of it promising something dark and 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 and, and heartbreaking, it's instead promising you know party 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 all the time, mm. and instead it's like even when it's at its like fast paced action packed best, it's still not tongue in cheek or comical or anything. Yeah, it's yeah. just colorful. Yeah, which is disappointing because Andrew W K as a music creator is exactly that it's this wild party thing with tongue firmly in cheek that's very cynically designed but also designed to be a lot of fun and rage i thought was going to be that even even if not like him specifically just go find a bunch of like the kind of artists that make metal mixed with dance music and just find some like some small dance metal creators and go make some energetic get angry stuff for us go Mm. like just give the, like, lean into that energy. Yeah, I mean the sa- the soundtrack is really good. Yeah, yeah, it's but it's I don't know, the the fact that they used something like that for the marketing and it didn't reflect the game is like uh, okay, it's just just you you know what people want. That's why you use that combination to market the game. Yeah. Give us that game. Yeah. I wouldn't call it false advertising, but it was insincere advertising. Oh yeah. But it's all right. It's fine. I'm not all that impressed by it, but when it's good, I really enjoy it. There's just a lot of times where I'm like, I don't want to be powering through this to get more fun. Yeah. I've got um a plague. T- I was hoping to play it before we could do the podcast, but uh, I've got a plague tale downloading, and that I'm looking forward Ooh. to. It might end up crap. It's it's part of that strata of games where it's like not indie, but not AAA. It's not Focus Home Interactive, but I would believe you if you told me it was. Yeah, it's on that level. Certainly, I forget what the publisher and the, the developer are, but I know that I saw um, gifs of it and, and some footage of it when it was promoted on the PlayStation blog, and it looks exactly like the kind of thing that would squick me out because it's set during the plague and oh. the, the the enemies are... Predo- well, I say enemies. The obstacles are predominantly huge swarms of fuck-off rats. I've bought I've bought this and I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah. Jim, I need to I need to correct myself. It actually is Focus Home Interactive. Okay, I thought it might have been, yeah. I, I don't know why I thought it wasn't, but I googled and checked and yeah, no. That explains why it has that focus level of... um. Interesting idea, but the jank might be too much of a problem. We will see. It's always hit and miss with a, with a focus publication. It's always a little yeah. bit of miss. I hope this is a hit. I yeah. I love the setting. I love the idea of, like I I as a kid I I um, was familiar with James Herbert's The Rats um, novel, um, predominantly through a text adventure that not many people remember. I tweeted about it once, and like maybe one, possibly two people actually recognised what I was talking about. Um, but the story is about like big fuck off rats that just start swarming and eating and it's horrifying like if i recall correctly both in the book and the text adventure the rats descend upon a baby in a crib and it's horrible Mm -hmm. um and and so ever since then like the idea of swarms of rats as an antagonistic force freaks me out in a good way in a sort of oh this is fucking this is what a horror story is even in dishonored they were incredibly gruesome oh yeah yeah they, they had that whole plague theme as well in dishonored um so yeah like not just the 
like the rats themselves, like I'm, I'm often like squicked out by vermin, um, even really on an illogical level, really. It's just a, a low key phobia of mine. Um, but then you add in sort of the, the themes of plague and disease and the spread of that and, and together in a game that that is something ideally is my kind of horror trip. It's just whether the, the mechanics of it work with this game. So I've not had a chance to check it yet out yet either. I've got code for it, but I had a quick look just to be like, I'm curious, what, what are people saying? Because I think embargo's gone up. Uh, consensus seems to be, it's a bit mechanically simple at times. Like it might get a little bit repetitive, but the mystery and the world like stay really cool throughout. That's good then. Uh, writing's occasionally clunky. That's not necessarily a surprise for focus. It's apparently a, a a resounding, yeah, that's pretty all right. Lots of, lots of seven out of tens. That's fine. I it, that's not unexpected at all for a focus game. For a focus interactive game, there's probably a little bit of high fiving over that in their headquarters. Yeah, we 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 stayed in the top end of the yellow section. We didn't dip down into the red for you know how we're doing. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, I like yeah. it. I, I am excited to give that a look. It's been on my list for a little while. Uh, what else have we What else have we been playing this week? Uh, I played a game I can actually talk very positively about. Oh, yeah. Um, Shakedown Hawaii. I did a video on it this week. Um, that's done by V-Blank, the, the studio who did Retro City Rampage. Oh. Um, that's on all the systems. It's on Switch, of course. Um, it is Epic Store exclusive, which I forgot to mention in the video because generally when I talk about the games themselves, I'm not thinking about that kind of stuff. And then um, some people acted as if I betrayed them by not bringing it up. Um, actual things were said to the effect of I thought better than this. I, it's a slap in the face. That's what it was. One of my favorite, one of my favorite gamer TM phrases. Jim, what are you doing slapping them in the face, Jim? Save that for your wrestling shows. Yep, I forgot to mention in the video that Shakedown Hawaii is an Epic Store exclusive, and therefore I slap, I slapped every viewer in the fucking face. Was was it an actual slap, or was it you know one of those fake stage slaps? You know what? Both. That's oh. how insulting it was. I did the I did the the theatrical slap, and then I just fucking belted them, front end followed by a backhand. Oh. That's what I did to everyone who watched that video. Um, but it's a good game. Uh, I'll <laughs> add the disclaimer that I added in there in, in that my face is in Retro City Rampage. Um, so I've got history with that developer. Um, but that aside, it's a good game. It suffers a little bit from the Rage 2 problem of stopping and starting a bit too much. Um, between missions, you'll often feel like you should be playing because it cuts between these more detailed cutscenes and then the overworld and then back to cutscenes with no player agency in between. So you get the controller, you see the overworld and you're like, right, time to, oh wait, no, it's doing another thing. So it gets that little bit of just feeling like you want to sneeze and then it's stopping you. Uh, but when the gameplay starts very much like Rage 2, it's, it's um, very fun indeed. And it's certainly a lot more engaging and interesting and enjoyable in my opinion than Rage 2. It's essentially a capitalist simulator. It's uh, got that old-school, top-down Grand Theft Auto look and feel and gameplay to it. Um, but you play this old business mogul who is trying to make back his money. And the entire plot is... And it starts the same way every time. SJW's ruining games! <laughs> 
every plot point starts the exact same way. This old Scott Hall lookalike gets conned and immediately realizes he needs to do that in his business. <laughs> so he will, you know, buy a, a bottle of drink that he's always bought and it's come in a bottle that's half the size it used to be, but um, charges the same. So he gets furious, really pissed off as a consumer. He bought the Fallout 76 rum. <laughs> yes, exactly. He gets really pissed off as a consumer and then as a businessman immediately thinks, wait, I can do this to other people and then sets about trying to make it worse. Like, well, why Why are we shrinking the bottles? They're idiots for that. Let's make the bottles the exact same size but half what's inside and come up with the ingredients that make up air and we'll put them in the ingredients on the bottle. And then you do some sort of a mission that plays into that, normally wrecking something, uh, blowing something up. But there are all sorts of little mini games and other objectives. It's a very varied game. Um, and there's a whole property management aspect to it where you go into the map and can buy almost everything there. Um, you can buy all of the stores. You can buy houses and apartment blocks. And if you buy enough of those, you can create a housing shortage, which gives you more of an advantage. Um, and, and nothing is left unturned. Um, it's one of those games that gives me validation because it's a game that says, oh, don't worry, we see it too. We see what businesses are doing. And it, and it, it hits everything from lobbyists to um, uh, product degradation, like planned obsolescence. Obviously, it talks about video game stuff. There's a loot box joke in there. There's a, a day one patch, one of 47 downloading joke in there. Um, so it just makes fun of every aspect of capitalism without a moral compass or any ethical standards guiding it. And in that regard, I find it not just an entertaining game, but a, a personally like a personal justification of a game, because it's it really does send that message of you're not you're not imagining it. Other people know exactly what's going on in the game industry and the wider. Uh, economic uh, structures that we have so yeah um certainly if you are a, a a viewer a fan of the gymquisition and this is how the developer because because he sent me a message trying to get me to play it and he was like this is like the gymquisition in game form so i'm like well that's got my attention um and and i wouldn't go that far and in some ways it makes its points better than i do as a rambling youtuber but uh, very entertaining not subtle i should say it's about as subtle as a sledgehammer to the knackers. Um, it's in many many ways quite obvious and has that Grand Theft Auto sense of satire of I am the bad person doing the bad thing and I am describing that I am doing the bad thing. Ha 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 um, There's a bit of that to it, but yeah, I, I would very much recommend it. And uh, it's a good, it's one of them games that belongs on the Switch for sure because playing that portable, it's it's just the best environment for those sorts of games. So yeah, thumbs up from me. Very recommended. Nice. Uh, what about you, Gav? You've been playing that Assassin's Creed DLC. Yeah, I think um, it's not bad. It's good. It's just I think even I have my limits after a hundred so hours of clearing out forts, because I was kind of hoping this would be a linear. This is the um, the Elysian Fields one, and I was kind of hoping this would just be a focused narrative story mission. But what it is, is you get this whole new big area. And of course, you need to get to the leader of this area, who I won't spoil. But to do that, you need to do the usual thing of whittling down the defenses bit by bit, which means clearing forts and 
knocking over statues and I I was just yeah no that that was the point of the game where I was finally I've kind of had enough map clutter now after after however many fucking hours with the game you after a hundred hours is me after an hour basically because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have the patience of a toddler like it's not bad it's just as it's just as fun as the rest of the game but yeah. I was just kind of burnt out at that point I was like I've had enough now oh by the way bandit camp watch 2019 oh um, god rest assured bandit camps are all over rage too Oh yeah. It's the radio tower for a new generation. Every open world game. Bandit camp, bandit camp, bandit camp. What? You don't like bandit camps? I I'll admit though, the bandit camps are one of the most fun parts of Rage 2 though. <laughs> well, it's where it's where some actual combat can be enjoyed. In another game, that would be a boring thing. In this game, it's where they've hidden all the gameplay, so I'm like, oh bandit camp for once. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. We we got some we got some bits of gaming news over the last week. So uh, after we recorded last week's episode of uh, the podcast, they did another one of those uh, PlayStation State of Play Nintendo Direct type things, and the the big thing was they ended it with that trailer for Final Fantasy VII Remaster. It apparently still exists. Oh yeah, I saw that trailer. Yeah. It's not totally died yet. Attack when its tail is up. The trailer, it looks nice and shiny. Um, I can't tell from that trailer, is it still turn-based, but with lots of flashy visuals, or is it real-time now? They made it for millennials because uh, uh, she gives away the flowers for free now. Oh. <laughs> from what I've read up on it, that it's a very actionized combat thing. I would assume so, considering it's, it, it's being headed up by the, the Kingdom Hearts 3 person yes it's been compared to that in in descriptions of it and if you look at the footage you can see the button prompts for specific attacks well hopefully they don't let that person write any new narrative <laughs> i'm i'm okay with that combat wise like i really enjoyed the combat in kingdom hearts 3 yeah i guess i just i get that this isn't a, a remaster and it's not even really a, a classical remake as it is just that they are rebuilding they're, they're doing the Latter-day Square Enix version of Final Fantasy VII, and I don't rate the Latter-day Square Enix that highly. I feel like, to a certain degree, this might be comparable to something like Resident Evil 2 Remake, in that not only is this a visual update, but they are re like the cutscenes are being made from the beginning again, the gameplay is going to be changing up and things like that. Like It's, it's not... You know, your Crash Bandicoot style, here's a coat of paint over it. VA is uh, still stuck in the 90s anime thing, though. A flower? Yeah, that, that's another thing I'm not all that looking forward to, is is standard Latter-day Square Enix voice acting and and plot beats. I just, I, I'm, I liked Final Fantasy XV a lot, but there's still a lot about it where I'm like, this, this would have been a better told story if it was in the 90s it might, might not have been a better game but the story would have been better paced and told because the modern square enix is so sprawling and up its own ass so they kind of are but i i don't mind an over over the top anime narrative every now and then like i'll occasionally yeah. crave a good maybe exaggerated anime narrative but um but i worry that that's what they're going to focus on story wise yeah. to the exclusion of everything else and i've talked about this on this show and in videos like the themes that matter to me probably don't matter to the modern video game industry whereas in the 90s 
they felt they could talk about that stuff. I just can. Ne- I've never been able to get into that anime style of storytelling where every single line is a uh, or an uh, or a. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's just really. I, it just wrecks my head. <laughs> As, I, for for me, I think at least part of it is that I struggle with um small nuanced uh, tone of voice and facial expression stuff sometimes. So we're like. A overly exaggerated anime narrative I will go oh this is really easy for me to pick up on what's going on I'm not having to put extra work into this it's maybe the reason why I like David Cage's kind of shitty narratives so I'm like ah it's fine it's it's ex- I like a good exaggerated narrative every now and then but uh it, it, it's apparently still being split up into multiple parts each of which is being sold as a full game, so... Oh no, that's terrible. That's gonna fuck it. It, Judging by some stuff said during the Square Enix uh, financial report for the upcoming year, it seems like probably December time this year we will be getting Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 1 Midgar. It would be a a reasonable guess. And it's probably going to be his, his just Midgar. Here's your $60 Midgar. And it probably won't have all of the touches that made Midgar a memorable thing. And that's my thing is because of the graphical um, expectations that modern games have. Um, Gameplay-wise and world-wise, they often have to shrink down. Uh, even modern open-world games, even though many of them are bigger than some of the sprawling maps of, of old Final Fantasy games. There's still a lot less going on in them. That's why we have bandit camps every 20 miles. Mm. It's why it's filled with with repeated busy work. And instead of intricate storylines and, and secrets and all sorts of interesting, quirky characters, it's just bollock yogurt fighting dick pimple. <laughs> the way Midgar was uh, designed visually and even the way the the camera angles were framed it sent your imagination wild imagining the city the rest of the city around what you were seeing it was very you know it it built it did build an amazing picture in your head and i worry that that yeah. won't be there if they uh they update it but you never know they might do it really really well they might yeah. do yeah i mean i'm only voicing fears and concerns i have my concerns yeah. but i've been replaying final fantasy 7 on and off these past few weeks and 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 what really impresses me is the artistry in some of those backgrounds of environments you only visit once. For like a few seconds. Yeah. As an early example, when you blow up the when you blow up the Midgar plant and jump through the tunnel and, uh, while fire's chasing you and then you uh, cloud and people all jump out the tunnel there's that explosion of fire. And then there's just uh, less than 2 minutes of them having a conversation outside the flaming pipe. And it's this detailed background showing the ruins of Midgar and what a shithole it is. It tells so much story. It's one screen and you visit it for less than two minutes and never go back in this 80-hour whatever game. And yet that much uh, evocative imagery in one screen. And that's the story throughout the entire thing. Every screen feels like it tells its own little visual story and that's something that many modern video games aren't capable of doing because that you can't sit down and render a background portrait anymore unless you're from soft unless you're from soft um but even then like like it it doesn't quite have that same feel of 
a static backdrop that says something very clear and definitive um, because everything's in 3D, of course. Um, and while you can have a company like From that does amazing environmental detail, they're few and far between. And a, a company like Square Enix can make better looking games now, way better looking games, but they can't quite capture the same character because they can't spend that much care and attention on little scenes. With, say, FromSoft, and, and I think someone like Bethesda does it as well, they have those moments, it's just they're brief because they deliberately walk you down a path yeah. in which the area is going to be framed in a beautiful way. And I think that's, mm. I think they do it as well as you can do it in a 3D, 3D world, you know? Yeah. Plus, you will be dying a lot in that game, so they do get their mileage out of their environment. But I think, I think you know, people like Bethesda do it well also, you know? Like that first... I that, wouldn't agree. That first reveal in Fallout 3 when you come out of the... Vault. it's fucking amazing I, I would disagree insofar as a lot of their worlds are built with the same assets which isn't a knock on the game but it doesn't have the same sense of every backdrop is is exquisitely personally crafted oh, yeah. um a lot of it feels like you know we, we've dropped these houses in mm -hmm. um and while they can use that to tell a story you go into one town and then there's going to be a lot there that looks the same as in another. Yeah. And it's not everywhere I go, there's a new entire scenic backdrop to enjoy. That's why I think, well, I think Fallout 3 was different in that aspect because everywhere around the first area of Fallout 3 is exquisitely crafted. Like the first town you go into, the first dungeon you go into and the first area in front of the vault are all very carefully crafted. I think they've kind of moved away from that now in their recent games. The only reason I have any hope that we might see that level of detail, or at least close to it in this remake, is because of the fact that they're splitting it into three episodes and that it's not buy the game once, we will ship it to you in three chunks. It's buy three full price games. My brain is like, okay, that means they're charging what? $180 for the full game. They're hobbiting it. Yeah, if you if you buy this all of these at launch at full price, we're probably looking $180 or whatever. Mind you, given our quick video game prices drop these days, like a week after they come out. I mean, isn't isn't that how much the entire Destiny experience costs? Like $180 or some shit? It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case, but um, yeah, that's the only reason I'm like, if they're charging for three full price games, does that mean they can maybe afford to do it to that level of detail? Even if they could, with a modern AAA video game publisher, would they bother? Well, yeah. I bet that was the plan with Anthem too. I bet EA was all like, I, we can't wait to do year two of Anthem and charge people another 60 quid for like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, well they fucked that puppy, didn't they? Oh, Anthem. I haven't touched that game since. I played it once for like maybe... Four or five hours, and I was so bored, I never touched it again. They haven't improved it, have they? Nope. It's still in its weird limbo of... Ah, we don't know. All I hear are bad things. And they, they took people off the team to... And, and they're, they're spending all their time fixing bugs instead of continuing their roadmap. So it, it by the time they could get around to fulfilling that roadmap... I do not think they're going to have the resources to... They'll, they'll probably do their best to f fulfill the obligation, but at that point, it will be an obligation, and they will be doing the bare minimum, because at this point, it's not in EA's business interests to keep supporting that done. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I gave up playing it. Um, I, I mentioned on the podcast that I was recording footage for a video on it and concluded that footage session by saying, I can't do this anymore and turned it off because I just couldn't take how dull it was. And I've never picked it up since then. That was my last time playing. It was me saying, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't handle this shit anymore. Remember how if every single mission in Mass Effect 2 was memorable? Uh, those were the days. Well, every single mission in Anthem is memorable. Because once you've played it once, that's what it's you'll be playing for the entirety of the game. So you can remember every beat. And it starts like this. <laughs> Spawn into the world. Wait for a, someone to stop talking so that you actually get the marker show up on the map so you know which direction to go in. Fly over there. Do some shooting. Stand around while someone talks. Play a scavenger hunt mission using an awful radar. Fly for a long time to somewhere else. Shoot, listen to someone talk. Bish bash bosh, you're done. That's every fucking mission. So yeah, very memorable. Yeah. Memorable through sheer mind-numbing routine. Uh, fucking anthem. Uh, there was one other thing this week that came up that has been a weird, interesting mess of a story. So how do, how do you both feel about the prospect of us maybe sometime getting another Splinter Cell game? Would you both be up for that? Um... I thought, uh, yeah, I thought the yeah, last one was yeah, pretty good. The, the, uh, series that you both enjoyed? I, I, I enjoy them well enough, yeah. but I tell you what, even though other people, I think, don't like it as much as any of the others, I genuinely think, as, as much as a quasi-Arkham knockoff as it was, Splinter Cell Conviction is the one that arrested my imagination more than any of the others. Yeah. Do you know why I think I, I have a theory on that, Jim? Mm. My experience with every fucking Splinter Cell game has been the same. And it's I'm really enjoying it for the first few missions, and then I just kind of fizzle out. And I think conviction had enough kind of difference and twists and turns in it to kind of keep things interesting. Yeah, I think so. I think so, because especially because they focused a lot more on telling this this complete narrative with very yeah. distinct yeah. beats, whereas other Splinter Cell games are a lot more focused on sneaking around and playing with gadgets. Um, which is fine and great, but I, I think Splinter Cell Conviction is just closer to what I like. What was the last one called? I can't remember. It was Blacklist. Blacklist. That was that was like in most respects, it was a really good, well-made game. It was a incredible looking, yeah. one of the best looking games I've ever seen. I just kind of fizzled out three quarters of yeah. the way through. I was just yeah, yeah. kind of had enough of this now. I can understand that. Yeah, like I played it. Maybe to I can't even remember how far I got with it. I must have finished it, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it, it starts off very exciting. I didn't get so bored that I wanted to turn it off, but I was very... I felt like I was over it before I saw the credits roll, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, so the reason why I bring that up is there was a tweet uh, the night before we recorded this episode from... Julian Geraghty, who is, and let me get this uh, correct, he is Ubisoft's creative director. So he seems like the kind of person at Ubisoft who would know what games they're making. Uh, and he just tweeted, working on the next hashtag Splinter Cell with two people who are, let me quote them, the executive producer and creative director for Ubisoft Montreal and the creative direct, uh, another creative director at Ubisoft Montreal. So he just tweets out like, hey, working on the next Splinter Cell with these two, can't wait for E3. And a bunch of people were like, oh, new Splinter Cell at E3? That's great. That's exciting news. He follows it up with another tweet mm. slightly later that says, 
okay, please don't retweet. I may be in trouble. Uh, he doesn't. Please don't retweet. Well done. He... Well done, Barbara Streisand. He doesn't delete his original tweet, though. Oh, God. So everyone at this point is very confused. They're like, surely if this is. And then the next tweet was it, no punctuation whatsoever. How to delete tweet. <laughs> it. It's the kind of thing where, like, people are looking at the photos from this original Hey, we're working on Splinter Cell tweet. Him and his friends are drinking a lot of wine in the picture in the tweet. So it's like, maybe you were drunk? But, like, these tweets are still up 24 hours later. Or maybe this is one of these just awkward, mildly dishonest Ubisoft ways of promoting something. <laughs> you know? Maybe. <laughs> maybe it'll turn into a whole ARG where he's kidnapped uh, and they have to send a special agent to find him. <laughs> That'd be exciting. Here's, here's Ubisoft's official uh, response to those tweets. Julian was obviously joking, as Julian likes to do. It looks like our creative directors are having fun right now. We do not have any announcements to make at this time. What a hilarious tweet. What a hilarious... To say that a video joke. game's being made. <laughs> <laughs> Splinter Cell? Imagine if Ubisoft published a Splinter Cell game. <laughs> it's such a weird story in that, like... Ubisoft's lying. I don't understand how it would be a joke for the man who would know if they're making a Splinter Cell to say, yeah. hey, we're making a Splinter Cell. And then to not say he's joking and to just leave that tweet up. Either he jumped the gun or they're trying to be cute. Yeah. But Ubisoft is talking bollocks if there's not a new split. Yeah. Generally, if Ubisoft denies something, my brain usually defaults to expecting whatever to actually happen to be the opposite of whatever they said. You're not going to see Beyond Good, I mean Splinter Cell at E3. Beyond Good and Evil 2, it definitely won't be at E3. Ooh, what's this? Yeah. Yeah. Ubisoft are noted, renowned expert liars. They're like Randy Pitchford, yeah. except they're good at I'm, lying. I'm wondering if it's like a deliberate thing to try and get people excited, but to have some like, oh, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, even this is the weird thing about, about reporting on things in games media. The company that would be making it have denied that it's real and said that it's a joke, but I don't believe them. And I'm pretty sure this means we're going to see, we're probably going to see a splinter cell in a couple of weeks. I've done a Jimquisition on this before called The Business of Lies. And Ubisoft came up a fair bit in it because this industry thinks nothing of lying. Yeah. It thinks nothing of lying for the sake of a game reveal. And people just accept it because it's for the sake of a game reveal. But once you normalize lying, people like Peter Molyneux don't know what they've done wrong. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And, and and this game doesn't have microtransactions. It never will. One week later. Yeah. Well, they did that with the fucking division. Um, the first one. Um, this industry thinks nothing of lying because we've accepted it for the sake of them being able to reveal games purely on their own terms, which is itself a problem. But, you know, many would consider that a white lie. And it it is now such a routine part of doing business yeah. that the lies get bigger and bigger and they creep in. And then we get full-blown bullshitters like Randy Pitchford running shows. Yeah. Well, you've got a situation like this where... One of two people has said a thing that's incorrect because either this Julian guy did a joke that didn't land that, like, honestly is not that far removed from him just lying, saying, like, hey, there's a Splinter Cell game coming. Honestly, it's it's the worst 
It's one of the worst non-racist jokes I've heard in the game industry. Yeah, if it's a joke, it's like, haha, the funny punchline, you got people's hopes up about a sequel to a well-liked franchise that's not actually getting a sequel. Oh. Yeah. And what did Ubisoft say? He was obviously, or he was clearly joking? Like, that's not an obvious joke. Uh, okay, I will read it to you. Uh, Julian was obviously joking, as Julian likes <laughs> yeah, to do. Obvious. Because we're all supposed to know about Julian and his, you know, his taste for jokes. We all hang out with Julian and his great pranks. Uh, as we all know, Julian, real prankster. He'll just say a lie. That's a great prank. Believing, tr- trying to portray that as a joke is why YouTube pranksters go to Walmart and tell employees they're being fired and make them cry for a joke. Yeah. Yeah, when did, when did pranks just become being a total cunt to someone that is really really like i can't believe people watch that yeah about the same time that this passes for a joke hey we're making a new game in that series you like i'm not gonna you know retract that or anything obviously joking yeah (laughs) it's like it's like that whole thing with like trolling culture it's like why do people troll? Oh, because, you know, I wound someone up and they got upset. It's like, okay, but, like, why? Why does that Why does that give you a kick? <laughs> this confused conflation works the other way as well, because when I... Nowadays, when I tell jokes, and certainly a few years ago, I noticed... Maybe about five years ago, a long time ago, by internet terms, I noticed that when I told jokes, people weren't calling them jokes anymore. They were calling them trolls. And I'm like... I'm old enough to remember when trolling meant something very specific. So I'm like, why is everything a troll now? And now we can't tell the difference between memes and jokes and trolling. You have to, you, you have to meme. Oh, I saw a comment. Someone was really upset. Uh, someone shared my Instagram on a fan page and someone else was really upset. It's just photos. There's no memes. Where's my memes? And I just cringed <laughs> like fucking memes. I like memes as much as the next person, but yeah. God, life can exist for ten minutes without them. Yeah. I will occasionally sit and mindlessly scroll some memes, but like, yeah. there's a limit. I have to say the the, I was one of the few who enjoyed uh, season uh, eight Game of Thrones this week. But that said, the memes this week have been fucking hilarious. I haven't seen many memes. I've just seen people like. Losing their shit. Getting very angry at each other. I'm someone who didn't like it. I'll be honest. And I've been very kind to this season up till the last episode. A number of things happened that I was looking forward to. But the execution was so off that it fell flat for me personally. And I was told I wasn't smart enough to get it. I was told I wasn't smart enough to have seen something coming. Even though the thing that disappointed me was something I not only saw coming but was expecting and looking forward to. And it was just done badly, in my opinion. But I wasn't smart enough to understand what happened, you see. They definitely rushed their pacing this season a lot. And uh, I I I still liked it, though. I thought just, you know. They had character bullet points they wanted to get to. They didn't really work out how they were going to get them there. Yeah. I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, Thank you for not spoiling it, because, oh my <laughs> goodness, Twitter this season has not cared about spoilers. Yeah. Like, before it's even aired in the UK, like, spoilers everywhere. Has Polygon done what they've done in previous uh, seasons, where they spoil oh, things in the fucking headlines fucking and images? Probably. Fucking Polygon, man. And, and, and another one, a Variety are awful for that as well. Oh, yes, I saw Variety do it. I'm like... 
I, I watch them as they come out. It's one of the few things I, I ever sort of make scheduled time for in the world of in the age of streaming TV. But God damn, it's annoying. We have to stay up till 2 a.m. to do that so we don't get spoiled. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I got spoiled and I know what's happening next episode. I'm like, yeah, it kind of makes sense to me, all that. So. Yeah. Oh, is that us about done for this week? Yeah, I can't stop poking my Mysterio. Is this a metaphor or? Oh, I give Mysterio a good punk. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm bobbling, I'm bobbling Mysterio's head. Oh, get, bo- get, get that head bopping up and down. I'm looking forward to that film. I'm looking forward to seeing my boy Mysterio yeah. with the the fishbowl and all. While while the Sonic movie people are all, oh, it's got to look realistic. We can't make him look like the proper Sonic because it won't be believable. And then Marvel's over here like fishbowl head. What? <laughs> Come at me. Actually, that was one thing I really liked about Infinity War and Thor Ragnarok was that they moved away from that boring grey realism they'd been going for for a while. Yeah, they don't give a fuck anymore. They were like super colourful fucking fantasy looking landscapes in those movies. They've realised that things are best when they lean into being comic books and when they lean into having a bit of a laugh and being less po-faced. And this is great for me because, you know, I've talked many times about my, my... interest in the Mysterio characters, by far my favourite comic book villain. And not a top tier one. Not one that ever had much of a chance of being in the films except as a joke. Um, and now I'm I'm in the store and I see him on Doritos bags. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that, to me, to see that, that character who I've loved for years and has never been taken all that seriously and is sort of a Kinda, C-list, maybe sometimes a B-list villain. I'm like, this is brilliant. It kind of helps that Jake Gyllenhaal kind of looks like a fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> like his expressions, his facial expressions are very fishbowly. Oh. Yep. Perfect sure. casting. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I have to go see Endgame. I, st- I, ca- I haven't been able to watch that Spider-Man trailer because I haven't seen the, the Endgame yet. Uh, as 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 a, uh, a a nice thing that they've changed around now. If you stick around after the credits for Endgame, they will show you the Spider-Man trailer. Oh, cool. that's cool. So you you can catch it while you're there now. Because I want to see it. It's one of those movies you should really see in the cinema, isn't it? Like... Yeah, very very much so. I would say. And the the bit the bit of that Spider-Man trailer where they're like, "Hey, don't watch this before Endgame." They're not kidding. Well, I I again again I've been spoiled on on. Everyone who dies in Endgame, so you know. Yeah. Yay! Thanks, Twitter. Whoa! It was weird that they killed off Spider-Man again in Endgame, and then they're having him back in this new film with no explanation. <laughs> all right, I think we're good. Do we want to sign off, Laura? Would you like to tell all of the lovely little children listening where they can see your things on the internet? What me? Oh yeah. Me? Yeah. Why not? Me? Yeah. Laura K-, Laura K. Buzz in most of the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, the latter of those, Twitch, uh, Twitch and YouTube, I will be a fair bit more active on in you know, probably a month or so's time, so I look forward to that. Uh, you can find me at laurakbuzz.com. That is a place where I put some words. I used to put words there, and I will be putting them again there soon. You can find me on Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, I'm on seasons three, four, and five. They're all self-contained stories. You can find my books that it, that are going to exist soon. 
Uncomfortable Labels, which comes out on July 18th, uh, and we can now announce, uh, it's not up for pre-order yet, but there will be an audiobook version as well, releasing on August Ooh. 18th, if that's how you prefer to consume media, so about a month after the, the physical release. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt should be out in hopefully late August, like toward the end of the summer, and... I've got some other cool things on the way, so just keep an eye out. Cool things are coming. Excellent. And whoa, Gavin Dunn, Gavin Dunn for you. How can we hear your lovely music? That was nicely done, Jim. Well done. I, think, I just thought you should. there should be a body form commercial just about you, Gav. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You can find me on YouTube under America Sound, where you can hear all my music. You can find it also on Spotify, iTunes, all those places. And if you want to yell at me about how wrong I am for enjoying episode five of Game of Thrones, you can find me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound, where I can block you. And you can also find me on Patreon if you want to help keep me in a job. Wonderful. Um, all that remains to be said is 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 we're done. Um, if if you're local to the era or you can get there May 18th, Saturday night, um, I will be at Pro Wrestling Ego again in Pearl for, oh, is it Fight Night 5 that night? Or is it Path to Pride? I don't know. It's either way. It's uh, it's an event in Pearl on Saturday night. It's it's a thing that you should try and be at if, uh, if you can. If you can get there, things that things are getting exciting between me and the wrestling world. There, there's some good it's stuff gonna, coming. It's gonna be a night. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. Lots of fun stuff coming for me there. Um. Otherwise, do check out the Jimquisition this week. We put a lot of effort into it. Randy Pitchford is poison. It's gold. It's about that. It, it's exactly what it says on the tin. Um, very well reasoned and argued, I like to think. Um, and look for a Rage 2 video, maybe the same day this comes out, I'm not too sure. Um, probably, yeah, it might be up by the time you've, you've, you you listen to this. And that'll do! We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for your continued support and, and sharing everything and, and doing the Patreon and all that stuff. It's all great. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.